Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode four of Seriously Disturbed. I'm Lauren. And I'm Savannah. And this week, I'm telling you guys the story of BTK Dennis Rader. So this one's a classic. It's very well known, but I feel like we have to cover it. We have to. I we have to. I know what this one's about, but I don't really know if I know like all the details of it. So I'm excited. Yeah, I I didn't remember some of this. Like I kind of knew the story, but then I started reading it. I'm like, this is way worse than I even remember. So And it takes place in Kansas. So it's our, it feels like our home. You know, we're Missouri girls. So it's our neighbor. I know. Wasn't it like Wichita, Kansas or something? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. That's very close to us. Today we're talking about BTK. And if you don't know, BTK stands for Bind, Torture, Kill. Sad face in my notes because that's just terrifying. (laughs) Lovely. Okay. And, oh, I'm going to do like Lolo did last week. I'll cite my sources at the top so I don't have to be citing them all the way through. So our main three girls, we start with BTK, a timeline of his murders, reappearance, and capture written by Tyler Picotti and Tim Ott on biography.com. And then Dennis Rader, written by Amy Takakian. I really don't know how to say her name. I'm sorry, sister. <laughs> on Britacana.com. It's all right. It sounded one, fine. I know. Last one, exclusive. Uh, surviving son of family killed by BTK, serial killer. Dennis Rader recalls the chilling moments he came home from school to discover his parents and two young siblings bound and strangled at their home. By Lewis Boyle on Daily Mail. Daily that Mail, is... you did us dirty with that one. <laughs> I was about to say, that was the longest title I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and I quoted a direct quote from that one. So I was like, there's no way I read that whole quote. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Daily Mail, thank you for that one. Clickbait. Yeah. Okay. So you ready, Lolo? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. This case begins in January 1974 when the Ontario family had just moved to Wichita, Kansas, a few months earlier. So this family just moved into town. Mm. It's a snowy morning of January 15th, 1974, and the killer waited until youngest son, Joey Jr., opened the door to leave the house when he was pushed back inside and threatened with a knife and a gun. Oh, my gosh. Um, He told the family that this was just a robbery, Um. I'm not going to get into all the details of what happened, but it was definitely not just a robbery. So the two parents were home and then the two youngest children were home. So Joey, the youngest, uh, was nine and Josephine, the girl, was 11. And Joey, the nine-year-old, was the one that was walking out of the door? Yes. Okay. I I couldn't find details on where they're going. I believe I think they were leaving for school. Um, because the oldest children were at school and it was like around 9 a.m. Okay. Um, oh, that's that's early. I know. Morning. Like the crazy thing is like he's so bold to, I mean, do something with one person going in to kill four people in the middle of the day. Like, yeah, in the morning. daylight and like a busy time of the day, too. 
Like that's why people are commuting and stuff. Exactly. So, I mean, you'll see, but he is a very confident man. Um, Very bold. So he first tortures and murders the parents in front of the two young children. I know. And then it literally made me sick reading all of this. And then he tortures and kills Joey, the son, in front of Josephine, or they called her Josie. Um, and then last, taking Josie's life. And the details were horrible. But essentially, later on, he admits that she was his target because he was attracted to young women. And Ew. Yeah, by young women, we mean an 11-year-old. Like, she was a little girl. I feel like the first story just kind of gives you the vibe of how the rest of this is going to go. Yeah, that makes sense, too, because I, I recently saw something. I don't know where it was. I, it might have been, like, on a podcast, actually, how normally when there's, like, a family annihilator or, like, in this situation, the mm-hmm. person doing the act, like, does things and, like, kills the kids first, so it makes their parents suffer. So that's oh. why I was like confused. But then once you said that Josie was his target, then that makes sense. Like he would make, yeah. he would make her want to suffer the most. And it's like, that was yeah. like, no, his main that's goal. a special kind of evil. Like, yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah. They're so, so young. Oh, I know. And then here it gets even worse. So later that afternoon, the three oldest children came home from school. So they had three other children, but luckily I guess for these children I mean they it's not so lucky that they came home and had to find this but they come home to find their entire family brutally murdered so that's where the Daily Mail article comes in because they spoke with Charlie he's now 65 he was 61 at the time of the article but he said his parents were childhood sweethearts and that their life as a family was idyllic and I'm like, oh, it just made me so sad reading yeah. that article because I think you hear some of these stories sometimes and you get uh, not numb to it, but you forget like these are real people and they're still living today and they're still mm-hmm. dealing with this stuff. Yeah. And I think he was like 15 at the time. So that's just, I don't know. I can't even imagine going to school and then coming back and your whole life yeah. changed. Like, yeah, I and I'm he was glad the that they're alive, yeah, but yeah. Like they were they probably were never the same after that. No. And at the like this is a whole rabbit hole on its own, but at first the police were blaming the father, like saying it was like a a murder suicide. And so that was traumatic on its own. But and one of the younger ones, so he's 15, one of his younger siblings like ran out and said I mommy and daddy are playing a prank on us because like he saw them like laying down I know it's 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 just heartbreaking so oh my gosh yeah but it doesn't end there so three months later on April 4th 1974 Catherine Bright is coming home from work with her brother Kevin they're both shocked to find killer is already in their home waiting with a gun he wasn't mm-hmm. expecting Kevin to be there, so things kind of got out of hand. And he ended up shooting Kevin in the head. He he miraculously survived, but what? I know. So he shoots Kevin in the head, like in the chaos. But somehow Kevin escapes and like runs to go get help. But by the time he gets back, um, it was too late, and he had already killed Catherine by stabbing her to death. Oh my gosh! And yeah, it was later revealed that the killer was disappointed that he did not get to strangle her 
and Catherine was only 21 years old. So, How old was her brother? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. Oh. But I need I know I need I need more information on this Kevin man because pop off. <laughs> yeah, surviving a shot to the head. Oh my yeah. gosh. I mean, I guess if it's your sister and you're like trying to like save her life, you'll Can that's you imagine, an adrenaline rush. like the guilt though. Like he did I the know. right thing. Yeah. But like leaving to like go try to save your sister I and know. come back. Oh yeah. God, I hate this dude. This I know it's making me turn red. Like I'm stressed. <laughs> There's already like that's two families that he's like, that the people that are alive have been directly affected. Yes. By. You know what I mean? Like yes. have been there and like witnessed. Oh it witnessed the traumatic experience. Yes. Yeah. I know he doesn't like kill everybody. He leaves like witnesses and mm-hmm. um yeah, just traumatized people. So this is where things start to get odd. I mean, that was odd. But in October of that same year, 1974, a young man confesses to the killings of the Aterios. So he said that him and his two friends were the ones to commit the crime. I don't have a ton of detail on that and why he would confess to this because it's very, like, it's very proven later that it was not them and it was Dennis Rader. Yeah. But this pissed Dennis off. Um, he wanted credit, but he obviously didn't want to get caught. Mm-hmm. So he thought he was smarter than everybody. And he called an editor for a newspaper, the Wichita Eagle. So he sends this editor on a hunt to find a handwritten note that he left inside a book at the public library. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. And this would never fly in today's times because, I mean, we have fingerprint, DNA, yeah. cameras. Like, there's no way. He's like trying to be Zodiac. He's like, I love to know. Yeah. 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 So in this note, he reveals that he's going to be going by the name BTK. He also Mm -hmm. like throws out a handful of names that he could be called, you know, giving him suggestions. (laughs) He's like, I um, want, I want a name for myself. Here's, here's the options you guys Yes. He's treating it like a joke. (laughs) So then he says, next time you'll know it's him because he'll leave this message on the victim like saying i'm btk or whatever he wanted to name himself isn't that called like a moniker <laughs> i don't know along with your technical murder terms it probably is and i'm probably like sounding stupid but i thought whatever keep going you might be right well next time next episode let us know <laughs> okay yeah i'll throw that in so police gave this note credibility because it contained details to the crime that only the killer would know so classic so they knew he was the real deal yes they knew this was him so did those other guys those that guy and his two friends did they get like in trouble at all for like police interference or like investigation i knew you were gonna ask that i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i i do not know who those people are or what happened to them like it kind of just a side note in all of this because there's just so much with this case Mm -hmm. so yeah there's a few rabbit holes we could go down on this yeah we need to know what happened to those guys because i have no idea i don't know why you'd want to admit to a murder i don't know so as the note said btk killed again on march 17th 1977 he murdered 26 year old mother of three shirley vian i don't know if i pronounced her name right so he took Um, three years off Yes, he took three years off. So he's 
slow and like I think we find out later he's like trying to not murder but yeah so we'll wait till the end on that well if you're trying to not I mean maybe don't target a mother of three I mean don't target anyone but maybe just turn yourself in yeah Yeah. true I mean yeah I don't know what I meant by that statement like don't target anyone but like yeah three come on like that no and it's it's terrible too because the three children are home at the time so he locked the three children in the bathroom as he murdered her and it was said that Steve one of the children witnessed her murder through the crack of the door because I mean they were scared and they were just looking out because no one's going on yeah again this one like breaks my heart because now all these kids have witnessed this extremely traumatic thing Mm -hmm. um so that's three more people added to the list of I mean they're just as much victims oh definitely yeah yeah so so then again on December 8th 1977 Raiders strangled and killed another woman, Nancy Fox, only 25 years old. Mm. He killed her in her home and then headed over to a payphone to call 911 and report his own crime. He says you will find a homicide at 843 South Pershing. But that wasn't enough. So he calls in his own crime because he's like desperate for attention and like wants this to be a spectacle. Mm-hmm. Um but no one did anything after this 911 call. I mean, they went to the house. They found the woman. But he wanted more press. So he was so irritated after this murder that he wrote a letter to the local TV station asking, how many people do I have to kill before I get my name in the paper or some national attention? Oh, so, my gosh. So, like, so he wrote them the note to find the library that was like, call me one of these names. And they never yeah. did. And then three years later, he's like, Mm-hmm. damn it which is it's kind of making me mad now i'm thinking about it that i'm doing this podcast because i don't want to give him any more attention true uh we can name it something else the wiener killer <laughs> i don't know something something that demasculates him i know god i hate this dude i know it literally it makes me so mad he sounds like Oh, like what's the word like cloud like he, chasing <laughs> yes like he an attention seeker like he never got attention as kids and he like wants yeah. people to like see him and everyone's like dude we don't give a fuck about you and yeah, we like, literally don't care he's yeah. like it's me like everyone pay attention to me yes yes Ugh. so this did get the media's attention though and sent a panic through the community so I don't know how much they knew at this point, but this is when news started breaking. Um, Maybe they thought at the time that that would be a good tactic to make him stop because he finally got the attention he wanted. I don't really know what was going through their mind at the time. but So after this one, Raider took an eight-year break, or so the people thought, because he actually did attempt to murder someone on April 28th of 1979. Um, He was waiting for a woman named Anna Williams, a 63-year-old woman, to return home. But according to him, it took her too long, so he ended up just leaving. Um, The only reason they found out about this later was um, he started to torment her with creepy poems. Um, One was titled, Oh, Anna, Why Didn't You Appear? And he also sent her several of her own personal items that he, like, 
somehow stole and like sent it back to her making sure she knew that he tried to kill her but he didn't oh like saying like i was in your home yeah 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 yeah. i would never feel safe again in my life i know and this poor lady she's 63 like i don't know i mean 63 is young now but yeah (laughs) i don't know and it's like different than like his first kill he was like i i like the young girls yes yeah but now but then he also is like showing that he can like restrain himself yeah like she's taking too long and then he takes still an eight year long break this is confusing me (laughs) he is confusing like he doesn't have like a straight like goal or like you know like it doesn't seem like there's one thing that like really gets him to murder like he takes these long breaks and he (laughs) kills a family then kills one person you know like it's just all over the place and he like has a knife and a gun and he strangles people like it doesn't make sense we don't see any activity again from Raider until April 27th, 1985, when he strangles his neighbor, Marie Hedge. She's 53. Um, she's taken from her home that's just down the street from Raiders and is found strangled and dead eight days later. Um, the worst take part, her to? Sorry. The worst part oh. is he took her body to his church <gasps> after the murder to take photos of her in a bondage position. So at this oh. time, the police did not connect her with the other BTK murders. Yeah, so that's so random. Like I know it, into his church. Like yeah, you're and going to hell for sure. He's going to hell. <laughs> and I should have mentioned this at the top, but during this whole time, he's the president of something at his church. So he's like oh. high up in the church. And Ew. he's a father and he's a husband. So he's like living a complete double life. That's so ballsy of him to do is like kill someone close to home, like his neighbor. Yeah. And take it to his basically his place of work. His, I mean his job. Yeah. 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 Gosh. So, so that was in April of nineteen eighty five. And then in September of nineteen eighty six. Uh, Vicky Wegler's husband Bill returns home for lunch where he finds his murdered wife and his two-year-old son sitting alone. So again, he kills someone during the middle of the day, like in the morning because he came home for lunch mm-hmm. and he left the two-year-old son to witness the crime. So I don't know what made him kill the first kids and not like the later kids. Like maybe it was a guilt thing. I, I don't know. Or maybe it has something to do with having his own daughter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They never really. Yeah, maybe, that. maybe two years old was like too young for him. I mean, yeah, it's a nine-year-old, and then I mean, he killed yeah. the nine-year-old but left the two-year-old. So maybe he's thinking like witnesses and things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So during this time, the police did not connect this to BTK, and they actually made Bill, her husband, the primary suspect. So again, this is like the second murder during this time frame that they weren't thinking they weren't connecting with him and, and the and second falsely one accus- falsely accusing yes yes sorry yeah yeah no it's hard right. on, it's hard on zoom because we have like a little of a delay i know i know we can't also see each other's body like yeah. language but, but yeah that's the second one that wasn't connected to him and the second one where they thought it was the spouse that yes actually did yeah. it Gosh. which makes sense because it usually is the spouse but mm-hmm. We got a serial killer on the loose, people. Yeah. How so, are they not connecting it? 
I don't know. I don't know. So finally, on January 19th, 1991, BTK kills his last victim, 62-year-old Dolores Davis. Um, he strangles her and leaves her on a bridge. So the last, oh. well, the last one was at home, but the one before that took her out of the home. And then this one, again, took her out of the home. He took both of the older women out of their oh, homes. Yeah. I wonder if there's I, a reason for that. I know. There's got to be. I mean, this man is just weird. Like, yeah. And on a bridge? Nothing. Yeah. I don't know. Nothing makes sense. I should have found the time for that one, too, because was it the middle of the day? Probably not. Yeah. If it's the middle know. of the day, how do you get away with that? Dropping a body on a no, bridge? Like I don't know. There's just too many killings in this to go down all these rabbit holes because these could each all be their own story. <laughs> it could, yeah. They're all so different. Yeah. That I guess so. If I was the police, I would probably like not I get why the police had such an issue. Like if I were them, I would probably tie this one, the bridge, and the church one together, and then like all the yeah. other ones together. Cause they're like in separate groups, you know? Yeah. And they're all like in close proximity too. So oh, it's not yeah, like true. I don't know. So after this murder, the killings all go cold and no one hears from him and no one else is killed. In parentheses, I put thank God. Yeah, seriously. But in <laughs> in January of 2004, the Wichita Eagle does a 30th anniversary article recalling the first murder and all of his victims that they knew of at the time. So they suggested that the killer was likely dead or incarcerated for something else. Mm -hmm. But knowing this man, he was not okay with that because he was still living out in the world. And um, later on, he told police that this began his resurgence of his alter ego, BTK. Oh, um, God. Because yeah. he's still not getting the recognition. and Yeah, he's not it. getting the recognition. They're telling him or telling the public that he's probably dead or incarcerated yeah. and that like pisses him off. So he sends various pieces of evidence from one of his murders to the TV station. And he sent specifically Vicky Wegler's driver's license and picture of her body. So that's the one where they were blaming the husband mm -hmm. for it. Oh, the two-year-old baby. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I'm if out of anything, I'm glad he chose that one so we can at least exonerate the poor husband. But yeah, yeah, I don't think he was ever convicted. But still, I mean, that imagine grieving and also being blamed for the. Crime. Yeah, I bet like the town, even though he probably wasn't convicted there, the town probably still yeah, like suspected. thought of him that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he sent these on March 19th of 2004. And in May of 2004, Raiders sends in a puzzle to a TV station. So this puzzle puzzle is later revealed to spell Raider, and the spelling is grouped around a numbers of six two two zero, which is his street address. What so I'll post this ask. on the Instagram. Yeah, I know, but they don't figure it out at first. Like it's only in hindsight that they see this, but he makes this puzzle to send in yeah he's getting braver and braver so or dumber and dumber i don't know i know just to say and dumber and dumber <laughs> so, 
In December of 2005, he leaves another clue in a park, leaving a garbage bag with Nancy Fox's driver's license and a Barbie doll that has its hands tied behind its back. So, which one was like Nancy trying- again? Um, Nancy was the 25 year old. Okay, I didn't talk a lot about her. Um, she was she was the one that he called 911 right after. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. He does the trash bag stunt, and then um, in January of 2005, he's feeling very confident and sends in a postcard to the same TV station, and the police take this clue to find a cereal box that he's hidden, like, just outside of Wichita. So, this box has the detailed descriptions of his first murders, like, to prove it's him. So, he's putting these boxes like everywhere to communicate like that he's a serial killer like a serial box serial killer <laughs> oh I'm i like, get it <laughs> i'm like i literally put eye roll like i laughed for a second i was like no you're not funny dude <laughs> so i don't understand i mean by this point i don't know how like well it was but there had to have been like dna testing and stuff like That's how did the police saying. still not no, so they and they don't really. I mean, they eventually do catch them that way, but that's not even where they're at this point still. So, the um one of the cereal boxes asks if he can communicate with the police via a computer floppy disk. Now, I don't really remember what a floppy disk is because, like, I was probably like seven when this was like relevant. <laughs> do you yeah. remember what a floppy disk is? I think it's just like a CD. Yeah, like something you put into the computer and it has information on it. So he I'm about to look asks, it up really quickly while you're talking. And but he's such a dumbass because he literally asks the police to say if it's safe for him to do this. Like, will he get caught if he does this? But if not, like he'll send it in. And of course the police are gonna say, Yeah, it's safe. Like he's so dumb. But um, so he asked the police to say, Rex, it will be okay in the next like newspaper that comes out. So the police give the okay to post Rex, it will be okay, and gave him a P.O. box. Um like does he think the police are gonna be like, oh shit. It probably would it. it probably <laughs> would work, but he wants us to let him know if it will, I so we won't do it. Like what? Like- do you think the police are gonna like I know I'm like I'm I just don't understand what he was thinking. So then he sends in another postcard to that same like TV station that he's been communicating with saying he got the message, like telling the police he got the message and he will be sending his floppy disk. So I don't so the he drops a floppy disk off at the PO box, which again, like do you think they're not surveilling it? Right. There's just so many things wrong with this. But he drops it off, and it takes no time for the police to track down the data on this disc. So and why, they track why, it down. Sorry, why weren't no. the police surveilling? <laughs> like, I don't know. I have questions for everyone because again, that's not how they caught him. They didn't yeah. catch him by surveillance. They didn't catch him by his DNA. But this floppy disc is turned in, and they trace the disc to being used at the Christ Lutheran Church. And the Park City Library. So the library where he dropped off the note and then at the church where he works. But they don't know that yet, but they just track it down to that church. And um, where he brought that one yes, 63 yes, year old. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I and they also 
figured out that the person that owned this disc was named Dennis. Like, he, I don't know how they figured that out, but, like, this whole thing is so dumb. Like, I can't believe this is how he gets caught, but I'm glad. <laughs> this kind of, like, reminds me of, like, a Scooby-Doo episode or something. Like, yes, it just is all also- for you meddling kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is the slogan? If it wasn't uh, for you, Scooby-Doo, or, like, something like that. Yeah, it wasn't for the meddling kids, right? Oh, wait, no. For Scooby-Doo... I don't know. I don't know. We'll cut <laughs> this. I, I thought Scooby-Doo I could tonight now. I love Scooby-Doo. I love Scooby-Doo. Okay. But it didn't take long for the police to find president of Christ Lutheran Church, Dennis Rader. Like, mm. idiot. They just looked up the church, and then they looked up his name, and it literally came up that he was the president. So I don't really know what a president of a church does because there's like a pastor and yeah, I don't, I don't know, know either. But um, he's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally <laughs> idiot in all capital letters. I'm like it, I'm glad it happened, but it made me so mad. Like you're doing all this, I don't know for what. He would have gotten away with oh, that Scooby Doo. I yeah, would have gotten away with gotten it. away with it. It wasn't for you, men of the kids. Yeah, there we go. But yeah. yeah, he literally if like if they wouldn't have if he wouldn't have responded to that 30 year old or 30 year uh anniversary anniversary thank you he would have probably gotten away with it at least for another couple years until police smartened up and like used dna yeah i think they were getting closer because this whole time um i think since like before the eight year gap they had put together a task force oh, okay called ghostbusters so they've been working behind the scenes but apparently not hard enough you know so this whole time they had been preserving the dna that they did have on him so they luckily did have some dna and just so happens at the time that they find his name and like his occupation um his daughter is actually in the hospital for like a routine pap smear So they go to the hospital and the hospital turns over her DNA, which is kind of freaky, but I know I guess they have to, Mm -hmm. um, turns over her DNA and it's a match to Dennis Rader or like, you know, a close enough enough, like familiar match or something. Yeah, Yeah. Like they have enough evidence at this point. So finally, February 25th, 2005, Dennis Rader is arrested and he's arrested on his way home to have lunch with his wife. Um, he didn't admit to it at first, but once he's shown the DNA evidence, he confesses to everything and is described as enjoying his time with the law enforcement. And he said he was just a little pissed that they lied to him about the disc being safe. Like, <laughs> he's, like, having a good time telling all his stories, like, in quotes. And, you know, the police had to be nice to him because, like, oh, yeah. that's like- how they get him to talk or whatever. This dude but just really needed, like, a friend. He, he did. He wanted to tell his story. Yes. So he pled not guilty. I said, dude, what? In June of 2005. But ends up pleading guilty on all 10 counts of first-degree murder ten? later on. Gosh. I mean, I know his I legal counsel probably said up. that. Yeah. But his legal counsel probably said to plead not guilty. To, oh, yeah, probably. At first, I, that's what I'm guessing because you know he wanted to admit to it. Like, true, that probably pissed him off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like this was me. This is my work. Yeah. So on August 18, 2005, he's sentenced to ten consecutive life terms in prison, 
And um, he expresses eventually that he hopes the families will one day forgive him and that he was possessed by a demon. So. Uh, Okay. Yeah. He he eventually like comes out saying that he was possessed by a demon. It wasn't him like as that person. And he's just um, trying to be like all of the other like zodiac with writing the notes son of sam said he was possessed by like the demon dog or something like that like, yeah scooby-doo i mean he's just yeah. gonna be everyone no he really is so btk's daughter comes out with a book recently about um her life just after finding out her dad was a god-awful serial killer Mm-hmm. Um, and so he come out, comes out to comment on that saying he still loves his daughter and hopes that she can forgive him one day. Um, I don't know, just, he's just nasty. And, and I know that he follows true crime, like you were saying, because he also comes on to Fox news to say that he and Rex Huberman or Humerman, is that how you say his last name? Have you heard of that story? No, I haven't. Oh, that's a good one. But he just recently got arrested and he said that they're the same person. Oh, it's the Gilgo Beach murders. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. And the guy's name is Rex. And he came out saying that him and Rex are the same person. They're like twins. Um, I don't know. I feel like he just will do anything to get his name in the news or like yeah, why are they still like keeping like why is he on Fox News? No one cares about Yeah, him. I don't know. Let's but, have the victim's family in here and have them I on know. the show. Yeah. Well, at least a lot of the victims and the daughters and everybody have, like, spoken out, too. So. Good. Gotten their time. But. Yeah, the daughter is a victim, too. I mean, she. Oh, yeah. Grew up her whole life thinking that her dad was this person. And then. Yeah. Finding out that he lived this completely other life. Like. I know. I kind of wish her thing was a documentary and not a book because. But I, I need to. <laughs> <laughs> i'll read it but i really wanted to watch it I, but I'll, I'll i'll listen to it on audible if i say audiobook it yep yep as of august 2023 so just last month he was suspected of at least two other murders so uh-huh. yeah he's not yet been charged but um it just came out like last month that they're looking into two other deaths that they didn't realize were connected to him that they now believe are connected to him so wow we'll have to do a (laughs) follow-up i'm surprised he didn't flaunt those two that's what i'm saying like maybe they're wrong or i don't know or maybe he's saving it because he wanted to like i don't know have this uh, yeah another big a resurgence yeah his name in the news again yeah but also i'd be like scared to ask if they were his I, I don't know if he'd be the type to like take claim to I know I don't know yeah I don't know either he's desperate but I also feel like I don't know I don't know because he, he wants forgiveness and he he feels guilty quote unquote so I he no, just goes don't. back and forth well you might feel guilty but no one owes you anything so no just no. go sit in your jail cell and think about and what rot. you did yeah, yeah. and rot and I don't know anything about the wife, but I'm sure she was just 
same sure she, daughter exactly exactly yeah. i'm for sure she had no idea and i'm sure like if i was in their position i'd be sitting there wondering like every day like blaming myself like how yeah. did i not know but of course you can't blame like they can't blame themselves like but i just know yeah. i would be doing that i mean i hope oh my not. god i know that's like well, i i'm really like so curious to read the book but for anyone listening that wants to read it, it's called A Serial Killer's Daughter, My Story of Hope, Love, and Overcoming. So it sounds like she might have grown a little bit and uh, probably Maybe forgiven herself. Maybe a little more herself. mature than us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she just had really good therapy. Yeah. Well, I, I want to read it. I haven't I read anything like that. That sounds... It's interesting. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Well, that was a great story, Sav. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> a I great really one or a it. terrible one or seriously disturbing one? It was a seriously disturbing. disturbing. It was yeah. great storytelling of an awful story. Awful story. There we go. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, it's you next. Yes, and I already know what story I'm going to do next week, guys. So oh, you tune do? In next Are you week. telling us or is it a surprise? I'm going to tell you. Tune in next week. I'm going to be doing the story of the Springfield Three. <gasps> yes, you have to do this one. This one is your story. Yep. Yes, yep. I'm very excited to do it. So tune in okay. next week. Tune in actually every Sunday because we have every Sunday. Going yep. out every Sunday on Apple and Spotify. I think that's it right now, but we're going to try to get more. Yeah, but those are the two. I mean, that's where everyone's listening. Yeah, that's the main yeah. one. And follow our Instagram at Seriously Disturbed Podcast. Yep, and... follow us. And you'll get the visuals from today. So yes. stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right. Love you. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs>